Welcome along to the Make It Count podcast. My name is David. My name is Matt. And we are the Taylor Bros. Yes, and, we are. Uh, yeah, we've got this intro down now, haven't we? Yeah, we've, we nailed it every time. <laughs> Boom. Uh, <laughs> anyway, recently I read a book and we, this, this episode no, is going to be all about this book. And it's called Humor Seriously. Uh, for those of you who are catching this on YouTube, this is the book. It's by Jennifer Aker and Naomi Bagdonis. Um, and the subtitle is Why Humor is a Superpower at Work and in Life. Um, oh, and the, the second subtitle, asterisk, is And How Anyone Can Harness It, Even You. So, you know, it's there a, a long-titled yeah, long book. Um, it feels quite pressured, in a sense, because, you know, you're trying to be funny. You realize from reading the book, like, oh, Humor is really important. And maybe we'll get into that a little bit. Be like, okay, I should try to be funny. Um, <laughs> so hopefully that's not what today's episode is. I'm sure, I'm sure they probably talk to that in the book and they um, say that's maybe counterintuitive. Yeah, and I We've I, all been I, there. We've all been there. I when did sympathize with... to be funny. You know, well, indeed. It's mm, yeah. I did I did sympathize <laughs> with with the authors a little bit because obviously they're they're PhDs. So they've got all this research. They've done like one of them's done stand-up comedy and um uh, and all of that. And so you write this book about humor and there's just this you could see this pressure to be funny and use some of the tips and tools that they've done. And you know, they've done pretty well. Um, not every joke lands for me anyway. Um, but yeah, I think that adds a little layer to it. You know, it's a bit meta, you know, when someone's teaching about storytelling and they're telling stories and it's like, well, are these actually good stories? Or, you know, a communication teacher and, you you know, they have to be really good at communication. They won't just teach you about it. And it's, it's that sort of, oh, you're, you're t- teaching us to be funny, but are you funny? Uh- <laughs> yeah, true. So... You've read the book. I haven't read the book, but I did uh, listen to an interview with the two authors. Mm. So you've told us a little bit about the authors. I think that's that's fine. What is kind of as far as you could pull out the main message of the book? I mean, the title kind of says it, but what, what's your su- summary? The thing underneath hu- humour is it's about human connection. And specifically in the workplace about how we get this idea in our head about being professional and, you know, being serious people. And actually, we don't necessarily need more professionalism and more seriousness. We need more human connection. And so a great vessel for that is humor. It builds connection. It builds relationship. It it helps us notice that other people are, are humans as well. And we've all had those emails that land in our inbox and we're a bit like, is this is this a real person or is this a robot, you know? And I saw, I saw something on Twitter the other day and someone had just taken a screenshot and they said, my dad sends text messages like it and sounds like a, a, Fising, a you know, uh, also a scam, basically. He sounds like a scam. Because right. it's just this language. And it's like, yeah, put a bit of humanity into our, even to yeah. our digital communications. And and so, yeah, summary of it, 
humor is about human connection. How can we bring that more human connection into both work and life? I think that's really interesting. And from the interview, it was fascinating because, of course, uh, one of the authors kind of said, in a sense, humor was not a big part of her life and just wasn't part of her family culture at all. And the other one, the one that went into doing stand-up comedy, she actually says she made, she realized when they actually started researching on this and coming to this together, she'd wasted so many years because she had got into the corporate world. And whilst on the weekends she was doing stand-up comedy, in her corporate life, she was going, oh, if I'm going to get ahead here, I need to put on this face of serious and busy and uh, and, and formal and and not show any humor until someone basically she i think she was in some sort of consultancy a client literally said you know i've never seen you smile I, you know I, I worry that you're just like this really you on the weekends you're this crazy cat lady who has no life and has no friends and then there couldn't be the furthest from the truth and so she realized that all the things that she enjoyed outside of her corporate life that made her successful in her social life they actually could be the same as, you know, it was the humor, the humorous way that she could approach life. It could also do the same in work and obviously appropriately. And they were talking about this. They were saying when it comes to the work co um, context, really, the bar isn't actually high. It really is just don't make inappropriate jokes. That's it. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be good jokes. It doesn't even have to be necessarily ace humorous you know that you're sniping people that you're doing this you know you're cracking the best joke people it's literally just bringing a sense of levity that doesn't stand out and make things awkward or or miss uh, inappropriate so matt I have, a, I have a question for you did you smile or laugh yesterday i did oh, that's very good and that is the question that um gallup you? polls used um, across 1.4 million people and like over a hundred different countries. And they did it with all these people and they found that basically we hit a humor cliff. At about age 23, when we enter the workforce, most people answer no to that question. More often than not. Yeah. More did you smile not. or laugh yesterday, David? Of course. And we'd recorded you, a podcast was it yesterday, peel behind the <laughs> But, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I, I laughed the most when we record our weekly podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> so it's never more than one week away from a laugh, Matt. That's great. There um, you go. But and many of us have heard those numbers of you know an average four or five year old laughs like three hundred times a day, and most adults after twenty three don't do that in a year, uh, or something approximating. I think that. It was a, yeah, I think they said it was four hundred for a toddler, and it takes a. A few months for a 40 year old to get that yeah so. and so their their theory is as soon as we enter the workforce we believe that it's serious business and in order to be taken seriously we must be serious yeah. and that they they counteract that we're saying that 98 percent of people report that they prefer to work with people who have a sense of humor yeah and so yeah. it's like oh we think we have to be serious but actually people prefer people with a sense of humor and not only that if you have a sense of humor or perceived to have a sense of humor, people attribute a higher sense of status to you. So yep. people that are funnier or we perceive are funny, they actually are perceived as higher in status. So there is good, like, you know, to have that. And so ultimately, we we sort of in our minds put the gravity of serious work as an opposition to levity 
And actually, that word you used, appropriateness, becomes really important. Uh, and they, absolutely, they talk. And about... I think the other thing as well, it's not just about people perceive you as higher status because I mean, mm. people might not be like, "Well, I don't want to be a peer higher status," but people attribute to those that are seen as humorous, not necessarily funny, but humorous. Mm greater creativity, greater intelligence, actually perceived as more attractive. Mm. Uh, how interesting is that? And I think there is actually, if you think about it, just whoever, whatever your attraction template is, a smiling face is more attractive than a than a blank or a, a frowning face. Mm -hmm. And so there, I think that there is an element of by being humorous, you are more attractive because you smile and smiling mm -hmm. is attractive. Yeah. Well, and that's why the question was, yesterday did you smile or laugh it wasn't you know necessarily did you have a full belly laugh or whatever although that's interesting to think about when was the last time you had one of those experiences yeah um but one of the things i think we all fear when it comes to being funny is that silence yeah it doesn't you know, land or or it's it's an off joke and you've actually just hurt someone's feelings or something yeah and but you know and, and i suppose um stand-up comedians talk about that moment where you say something to a group and like you know nobody laughs they don't find it funny and they did this um mock interview i think and it was a some of them they said say this joke others of them you know play it straight and i, I can't remember the joke it probably wasn't that funny i think the punchline was you know something about switzerland three great things and uh, the, the last one was and the flag's a big plus or something like that you know Bit, bit silly it's a great anyway. world cup joke that yeah. yeah and but they they said whether the other person laughed or not was not that most not the most helpful thing right it was whether it was appropriate or not as you said appropriateness of the humor so we think if we get a laugh it's successful and if we don't oh. it's unsuccessful but they actually said it's a little bit more it's a little bit different it's a little classic matrix you can if it's appropriate and gets a laugh big win if it's appropriate and doesn't get a laugh still a win if it's inappropriate and gets a laugh actually that's not a win that's a negative yeah. and obviously if it's inappropriate and doesn't get a laugh that's a big fail and so yeah. sometimes if we just take it on the feedback of did the room laugh um we we end up with a bit of a miss thing but actually it's about whether it's appropriate and that's obviously a difficult thing because what is appropriate at the dining room table at home might necessarily be different than what's appropriate at work might be di slightly different than what's appropriate with your friends and so navigating that can be a little bit difficult um and they, and they touch up on that at the end it's like what happens when you make a humor fail when it goes wrong and you know ultimately it's own it take responsibility apologize refresh you know and yeah yeah you move on basically I really like that. And it's a slight tangent. It reminds me of uh, a great TED talk I watched by I think it's Michael Jr. We'll find a link and put it in the show notes. But he did. He's a comedian. I think he's really funny. And he talks about this this journey where earlier on in, in just in life and in his career, he thought he, it was about like making people laugh. Right. Or like getting laughs. Um, but then what he realized, like he had this transformative moment. And it transformed his thinking slightly from instead of I'm trying to get laughs from the audiences, I'm trying to give joy. Um, and that was just a, in a sense, you might go, ah, semantics. But actually, it's a massive difference because you think about that. You go, if my only barometer is like, did they laugh? Right. 
I'm going to keep pushing that envelope until I get a laugh. And sometimes, you know, you get a laugh from people just because you've shocked them, not because it's actually funny and not because it's actually appropriate. Mm. And so I think that's helpful again to just go, yeah, you might get a laugh from the room if that's your aim is to get laughs and to be perceived as the funny, the, the funny one. But actually, you might be making big missteps and maybe alienating someone or whatever. So again, this whole thing, and I think the, the authors bang that drum again, it's, it's not about just trying to get laughs. It's about bringing a levity to life and seeing the seeing the truth um uh the the funniness in the truth and that's sort of they talk about contrast they talk about you know the rule of three which is this classic you kind of start a list and then the third one or it might be the fourth or fifth is just slightly out of there and you're like people are not expecting it but Mm -hmm. ha interesting you know and that makes something funny yeah i mean tangent to your tangent to tangentially tangential. So we're like back on track again. No, a uh, different way. But okay. these, these two are both lecturers and PhDs at Stanford and they have a course that's accredited for on humour seriously, but it's not the only thing they do. And I think what one or both of them also do a course on meaning and happiness, but how they're slightly different. And when they talk to people who say their main goal is happiness, they found that that generally becomes more or has shown itself to be more self-focused, whereas people that are looking for meaning tends to be more other-focused and how that might change in our lives and things like that. And and what brings us happiness is different. And I suppose, how does that tie into this? Well, they talk about kind of this idea of uh, like a pyramid uh, that they're quaint to some sporting examples. So they said at the bottom of the pyramid is levity. Are you looking for moments of levity? It's actually, Mm. you don't have to be the funniest person in the room, but if someone makes a joke, are you willing to laugh with it? Are you ready to laugh at it? When something amusing happens, do you see it? Are you quick with a smile? And that that idea of like positioning yourself for levity and humor, because the next one up is humor. It is that, can I be a bit funny? And then the top of the pyramid they talk about was comedy. You know, it's the professional comedian or TV show that they're paid to do that. And actually, in order to have humour or to be funny, it's not about being a comedian. And I think, you know, we've met people that think they are and they're not. Um, and most of us are not professional comedians. And uh, it's... You know, Thank goodness, because can you imagine the state of the economy if most people were commercial comedians? That would be, <laughs> I'm not sure how that would work. Consi- consistent entertainment all round. Um, well, you can't fill up on humour all the time. You do have to eat. <laughs> yeah, but basically they talk about how levity is a mindset. It's a receptiveness to joy. And how when we switch that on, immediately we start seeing the moments in our lives that do this. And so one of the things they do in their course is the first lecture they have with any students is they do a humor audit. And they said, this next week, write down, like capture every time you smile or laugh. And they talked about a student that did it. And they said, "Um, Tuesday, I didn't laugh or smile at all. Who knew that a course on humor could be so depressing? Uh, (laughs) But actually, in in starting to measure it, by the end of the course, it's that classic priming thing. You bring your attention to it. You start noticing these things. Um, And I think, I'm not sure if it's in this book, but that, that classic joke about, you know, if aliens came to this planet, they would think that dogs are 
the bosses because we walk around behind them picking up their poo. Who's the real king in this situation? Yeah, um, exactly. And it's just he's noticed in this world this slightly absurd thing and just highlighted it and just pointed fun at this sort of amusing situation. Yeah, And they happen around us all the time. But if we're not in that mindset of seeing something that's amusing or uh, ready to to sort of notice the contrasts around us, we uh, we miss out on those moments of levity. I really like that phrase you used earlier about being kind of the reception or how receptive are you to joy? Mm. And again, it's it, yeah, it's, it's that eyes wide open thing of like, uh, what are you looking for? Because uh, in a sense, what you look for, you'll find it. Um, and we've spoken about this before, but the whole sort of optimistic people or the the people that are that um, yeah that that think they're more lucky are more likely in the scientific study to notice the hundred dollar bill on the floor that's been placed in their path than mm-hmm. those that are feel themselves as pessimistic or realistic. You know, and so it's, again, there's so much going on every day, and it's a, a bit like the homework for life with. Um, Matthew Dix, you know, are you, in a sense, are, are I creating habits in my life? But, you know, his one was basically at the end of every day, just write down what was maybe one or two story moments from mm-hmm. that day. And in a sense, this is exactly the same. It's just, are you looking for the slightly, what's the humorous aspect to it? And I think mm-hmm. that can make for a great story, but he's opening it and saying it doesn't have to be funny. It could be meaningful. It could be sad. It could be poignant. But yeah, this is, am I training my eyes to just go, <laughs> yeah, no, the world is full of funnies, you know. It's it, and we've talked about quite a few things, of, of maybe in recent ep- episodes, about just some of the, the sad things, the hard things that life is difficult. And obviously, part of the pu- purpose behind this podcast is, you know, we live in a noisy world, we live in a distracted world, we live in a crazy busy world. But how can we live with purpose? That can maybe feel heavy. Well, part of I think these guys. Um, the whole premise behind their book and actually not just the premise but the findings from their research and this isn't just them going away and sitting in a room this is them literally going out and um interviewing people and i don't actually know what other methodologies they've used maybe you do um but they've found the real world benefits of humor in people's mm-hmm. lives that have meaningful output mm. outcomes so, definitely so they you know and they do a whole long chapter on your brain on humor where they yep. basically collate all of the research, tell the story of how that research came about. And so much of it is things like when they got two people that were total strangers to laugh with each other before they talked, like they felt 37% more connected to them. And, yep. you know, when you, they watched a video that was, so it's the classic, what was the um, the classic psychology test where, you know, can you get a, a candle to go on the wall? And have you seen that one where they give them a box of like tacks and they have to see if no oh it's this classic psychology test and basically the reason it goes wrong is people see this box of tacks and see it as a box rather than a potential tray that they can use as an attachment to it and so we don't notice that this actually could function as another thing and so the the add-on test they did to that was they they showed them a funny video beforehand and that unlocked creativity, so they were more likely to solve this this puzzle. Right. And and so it's just yeah, actually there was some highlights here. The brain on funny, it people perceive you as more powerful and more intelligent. Um, it builds bonds, social bonds. So you quicken the path to trust. Um, you are more creative 
So seeing the connections that you previously missed, i.e. in this study, and also the last one that was really interesting was resilience. It immediately reduces stress. So in the moment, it reduces stress, but also we bounce back more quickly when we can see the levity, when we can find the humor in that situation. Wow. I, did, I don't know if I told this on the podcast before, but it's quite funny. I've already started the story wrong, but basically I was in the office the other day um, and I looked up at the clock and I was realized I had to go somewhere soon. I had to, you know, um, and so I quickly sent off a few emails and then started to pack everything up. Now I had quite a lot of stuff to pack up. So I put my rucksack on my back at two other bags that I had to throw over my shoulder. I had like a wheeling suitcase with a load of tech in it. Plus my laptop went under my one arm. Plus uh, I was, I was carrying like another folder as well. So I'm, I'm walking out, someone else had to open the doors, I'm getting up the stairs and then open the other door as I get up the stairs, I wheel out, wheel out, get to the car, load up the car, sit down, look at the clock and it says 1.30, which is a problem because I didn't need to leave till 2.30. So I was like, oh, well, maybe the car clock is wrong. I don't remember changing it. The clock changed relatively recently. So I get my phone out, look at the clock. Huh, that also says 1.30. I was like, oh, no, um, maybe my phone is wrong as well. So I like Googled, you know, what time is it in the UK at the moment? <laughs> and it was 1.30 and I just sat there for about a minute going, I've just left like an hour early. <laughs> what do I do? It's quite funny, but entirely embarrassing that I still don't know how to read a clock. Anyway. Yeah. So what do you do? So basically in your mind, you're going, do I go back with all of the stuff and make that same journey again? Or like hang my head and go, oh, I can't read a clock. Or do you just sort of, what did you do? No, I was like, do I go and just sit in a car park somewhere for an hour and wait until, you know, I am actually can start? Or do I go back in? So I, I went to the boot. I picked up my laptop and I went, we're going we're gonna to laugh at this. And I'm going to laugh and it's going to make it easier than like shamefully going in. So... As I was walking past, and you, you walk past the windows before you even get into the office. So everyone could see me coming back. And I walked in and I said, well, looks like I'm still learning how to read a clock. <laughs> Brilliant. And it's not They're especially... probably all thinking, oh, he's forgotten something. Yeah. It's not especially funny. And probably nobody else noticed. And, you know, we've all done something. It's a bit embarrassing. But I just owned it and laughed and sat down and it was fun. There you go. Well, speaking about the clock, looks like it's about the time to wrap this episode up. Yeah, I suppose before before we wrap it up, I just wanted to say there were two things that they said, the anatomy of funny, which uh, they, they tell a line. Um, I can't remember if they quoted it, but it's like, sorry, I'm late. I didn't want to come, uh, which is quite funny. And, That's brilliant. And, I'm so going to use that. <laughs> And they said, basically, one, at the heart of humour is truth. We know that's funny because lots of people will have thought that and never said it. And two, <laughs> all humour and uh, contains surprise and misdirection. Mm. And and that sentence captures both. It's true, but also surprising. And, you know, you didn't expect. You've heard, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. You know, I've got held up in traffic or, you know, excuse. But <laughs> you just owned it. So I'm sorry, yeah. late. I didn't want to come. <laughs> <laughs> that's great i like that that's really brilliant so 
when when we're noticing these moments of levity, notice what is true mm. first. And how can you make that into a misdirection or a bit of a surprise? Can you exaggerate it a little bit or create a contrast? Can we, uh, you know, use those sorts of things? Because ultimately, we all get on well better when we laugh with one another, when yeah. we're building those relationships. And like I said, it quickens the path to trust. And I'm all on that trust train at the moment. And and so at work and in life, it's valuable and useful so i encourage us all to go on a quest of looking for levity and i'm almost like wondering whether i actually take a week to Mm. do my humor audit okay don't don't be on the fence about it are you going to do the homework well i am on the fence about it because i don't know if i want to commit to it (laughs) hey i've committed to stuff on this podcast before and have to play some music yeah, but we don't always. But we do it together. We do it together. We'll do a funny audit this week. Okay. Or at least until the next time we record a podcast. <laughs> yeah, all right then. Okay. Excellent. You guys are welcome to join on the 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 funny homework or something that is the find the fun audit. Is there a link to the questions to ask? Um, is there or should we just put that in the show notes? These are the questions you ask, or just. What? Was it just a simple, like, did you smile and laugh? Is I think it's it? literally like an audit. It's like tracking over the course of a week how many times you smile and laugh. Okay, so basically at the end of each day, or maybe depending on how much you're laughing and smiling, every hour, record how many times you smiled and laughed, and uh, at the end of the week, you'll know how uh, how much joy there is in your life. Statistic. Well, that's why I was wondering whether I had to track it as I went. Mm. Mm. I think you can easily set up like something on an Evernote or something, which is just like a tally thing, like, you know, laughs, smiles, just add one. Or, yeah, I mean, like, do a little, uh, what's it called? Yeah. Tally chart, the old one, two, three, four cross. Just do them, you know, piece of paper. Easy. Yeah. yeah. So, come on, guys. Go read the book. I would recommend it. It's a good book. Uh, It's got good research. And so it's not just two people saying, ha, funny, it's funny. Ha, ha, ha. It's, you know, it's well-researched, it's well-evidenced. It's a Stanford course. So they've got videos that supplement it. And um, it's it's fully accredited as well. It's not just like an extra. It gets the same as if you did like a a financial something or other. So Financial something or other. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. You heard it here first. You can get courses in something similar to finance. There's a chance, actually, that they even have some online stuff with that because uh, we've done uh, stuff before with the guys also from Stanford, uh, the Design Your Life guys, and they actually had a course that was you could purchase it for very cheap, actually, online. So we'll go and have a look and see if it's there. If it is, put a link in the show notes. Again, we are not affiliated. Look for Levity. Look for levity and thank you for joining us this week on the Make It Count podcast.